0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the judgments for the judges, as we pick up in Exodus, chapter 21, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: Exodus, chapter 21. God said to Moses, Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. Now, the judgments are really for the judges. You remember they appointed 70 to rule over the lesser, or they appointed men over the thousands, men over the hundreds, men over the fifties, men over the tens, to judge in the smaller matters so that they would only bring the major cases to Moses. So that Moses wouldn't be bogged down as is Jethro said, hey, you're gonna kill yourself, you know, standing here all day long and judging the matters of the people. So these are the judgments for the guidelines for the judges who are judging in these matters that are brought before them These are the judgments, the guidelines for the judges. These are not an individual kind of a retaliation kind of thing that you're supposed to take, but these are the standards that have been set for the judges. And the term judgments refer to the standards set for the judgments. Now you read of God's statutes, of His ordinances, of His law, and of His judgments. These are one of the things you read about The judgments of God are different from the statutes. The statutes are different from the ordinances. The ordinances are different from the basic law. And so all is comprised in the law. But these now are the guidelines for those men who were chosen to be judges. Now it is interesting that here in verse 6 and then in chapter 22... Uh, verse 8 and verse 9. The word judges in these verses is the Hebrew word Elohim, which is the word for gods. And the judges are called gods because they are acting in the place of God in bringing God's judgment upon man. Bringing and enforcing God's judgment upon the particular situations, they were acting in the place of God, and thus the term for the judges was God's, Elohim. And thus, in the New Testament, when the Pharisees were arguing with Jesus in the Gospel of John, and When he declared the fact that before Abraham was, I am, and they took up stones to stone him, Jesus said, I've done many good works among you. For which of the works are you going to stone me? And they said, not for the works that you have done, but because you are a man and continually insisting that you are equal with God. And he said, did I not say, or did, not the, did I not say, or the Word of God say that ye are gods? Then why are you going to stone me? Because I say I am the Son of God. Now, in the Word it said, ye are gods. In other words, here in Exodus, these men are called gods, those who were to judge and enact God's judgment on men. It doesn't mean in any wise that they were as the eternal God, the creator of heaven and earth. It just meant that they were acting as gods and in the place of God in the fact that they have been given this responsibility of judging men and thus men's lives were in their hands and thus acting for God They were called Elohim, gods. The word Elohim refers in the Old Testament to many different gods. It is not a term used exclusively for the God who created the heaven and the earth. The Bible recognizes that man can have many different gods that are not true gods, That is they are not the true God They are God as far as they are The ruling master passion of a person's life David said the gods of the heathen are vain Elohim Recognizing that heathen had gods But they weren't true gods And God challenged if you be gods If you be Elohim Then prove it by telling us something that is going to happen before it ever happens. And thus, the term Elohim refers to that which is the master guiding principle or passion of a person's life. Now, I went into that to give you just a background to the scripture that Jesus referred to in the Gospel of John because the Mormons, because of that one reference of Christ to this Scripture, ye are gods, have built the whole doctrine of man's progression into God. And that if you are a faithful Mormon and your marriage has been sealed in the Mormon temple and you've gone through the rites and you wear your underwear and and the whole thing. What that has to do with making you a god, I don't know, but you can be one. And you will be gods. That's their teaching. And you and your wife, who has been sealed to you in marriage, Will be able to go to a planet and you will be able to start your own little world on that planet. And other Mormons and good people, Christians and all, who weren't faithful, true Mormons all the way, who didn't quite make it to the God stature, will be your angels and will serve you in your own. System that you inaugurate and you will be God over that planet and you will watch over that planet and develop and so forth a whole life form and style and all from your offspring there in some planet in the universe. Now that is the acknowledged, recognized goal of the Mormon. Now Brigham Young did something that has upset a lot of Mormons in that he has carried this particular concept back one step instead of forward one step. If you carry it forward one step, every Mormon will acknowledge that that is the goal and that is the purpose and that is their desire to be God and their ascending the scale in progression into Godhood and to have their own planet and take their wife and begin their own little uh, experiment on a planet someplace. Brigham Young carried it back one step. And he said that Adam was a good Mormon who progressed into God. And he brought to the earth one of his celestial wives, Eve, And they began to have their children and that they began to populate the earth and that Adam is our God and the only God with whom we have to do. Now Mormons get very upset about that and they say, Oh, you've taken what he said out of context. But I challenge you, read the whole context of that sermon and you'll find that it isn't taken out of context. It is actually consistent with the Mormon doctrine. But it takes it back one step instead of forward one step. And why not? If you and your wife can be a god on a planet someplace and start the whole thing off, why wasn't Adam uh, a man somewhere in another planet within the universe and became faithful and true and all and ascended is into the Godhood and, of course, brought one of his celestial wives Eve and started the whole thing. Now, that whole system of thought and idea taken from one little verse in the New Testament where Jesus said, Did I not say in the law, Ye are gods, And from that one little verse, this whole system of thought and doctrine that you're going to be God, providing you are a faithful Mormon and so forth, has has come out of that one verse of Scripture. Rather than researching and finding out what that Scripture was referring to, not at all a progression into the Godhood as such, not what that is teaching. In fact, that desire to be God is the thing that has started the whole problem with the human race and with the angels prior. When you read of Satan's fall in Isaiah 14, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? And he goes on to tell of his will against the will of God. The fifth statement of Satan was, I will be like the Most High. Shakespeare has someone saying, O oh, Cromwell, flee ambition, for by this sin did the angels fall. I will be like God. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and Satan came to Eve to tempt her to eat of the fruit that God had forbidden, what was the enticement that Adam held out to her? The day that you eat of it, you will be wise as God's. And so that desire to be wise as God is the thing that he used to trip Eve up in the garden. Be like God, be as God. So it is the same thing that is being held out to people today. But the word judges, Elohim, does not refer at all to the living eternal God who created the heavens and the earth, but men who are appointed to judge in the cases that are brought before them and in judging are representing God and are acting for God, holding the lives and the destiny of these men in their hands. It is so that the judges will realize the awesome responsibility that they have as a judge. There is one occupation I would never want, and that is to be a judge. To me, I could not live with myself if I were a judge. I would have too much difficulty in in worrying about making a wrong decision, making a wrong judgment, realizing the awesome responsibility that here is a man, his life, his future is in my hands. It would absolutely destroy me to think that I had sent a man to prison for five years for a crime he did not commit. And that's one occupation I would never want. But unfortunately, those men who have that occupation have more or less taken, I think, from judges the concept of gods, and so many of them act as though they are God and want to be treated as God. When they walk into the courtroom, they want you to all stand and bow and so forth, and come before them and offer your pleas. And the attitude that many of them have is reprehensible. They need to realize the awesome. Awesome responsibility that they have and rather than making them proud it should humble them and they should come in I feel in a very humble way to sit in judgment realizing the awesome responsibility that is theirs now this whole chapter 21 deals with the judges and deals with their judgments as It does on into chapter 22. So this is addressed basically to those men who were to occupy the position of a judge in Israel and they were to judge over the various matters. And so he starts laying out certain basic laws that will govern, first of all, the position of a servant. If you buy a Hebrew servant, Six years he shall serve. And in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. So here we find again the six and one pattern. Six days shalt thou labor, do thy work. The seventh day is the day of rest. If... You buy a Hebrew slave, six years shall he serve. If you were a Hebrew sold into slavery, six years you would have to serve, but the seventh year you go free. And I believe that this six and one pattern is significant, not only in a day, but God established it in a year also. He established the months. The seventh month of the Jewish calendar was to be a sacred month and the Day of Atonement and so forth came in the seventh month along with the feast. It was a sacred month in their calendar. And then the six years, they were to sow their land. The seventh year, the land was to just grow of itself. They were just to eat of that which came from the land, they weren't to sow it. They were to give the land to rest in the seventh year. They failed to do this and God got after them later for their failure to do that. And inasmuch as as for 490 years that they were in the land, they didn't give the land the rest, God said, you owe the land 70 years of rest. So you can stay in Babylon for 70 years and the land will get its Sabbaths that you robbed it of the whole time you were living there. And so God gave the land its rest, its Sabbath, as he shut them up in Babylonian captivity for 490 years. But I believe that the pattern will also carry out that for six, and this is in a thousand year cycles, for six millennia, The earth will go on in the bondage to Satan Sold out by Adam But the seventh millennia Will be a restoration The freedom The return to God Now how long before Christ Adam Fell in the garden we don't know for certain. Somewhere around 4,000 years before Christ, Adam turned this whole system over to Satan. Satan has ruled. We've been in bondage. But we look forward to that glorious 7,000th year when man has been delivered, when the earth has been delivered and will be restored and we will live and reign with Christ upon the earth for a thousand years in the glorious kingdom age. So this six and one pattern has been established by God. I am convinced that it will also follow in thousand year cycles and that we are coming extremely close to the end of Satan's reign and dominion, and rulership over the earth and over man, that the day of redemption is very close. And that's what Revelation chapter 5 is all about. As Jesus takes the seven-sealed book, the title, Deed of the Earth, and lays claim to that which he redeemed with his own blood. And then in chapter 19 of Revelation returns to establish God's kingdom upon the earth. So it's a very interesting law. Now if he, came, if he was sold of a slave and he came in by himself, he will go out by himself. If he were married and his wife came with him, then his wife can go out with him. But if his master has given him a wife, and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. The slave had no rights at all, no rights of possession. Therefore, if you were sold as a slave, and while you were a slave, your master gave you one of the other slave girls for your wife, And you've had a couple of children. Now the seventh year has come. It's time for you to go free. You can go free.
0: We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 21 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org.
1: I pray that God will give you divine insulation by His Holy Spirit that will just sort of ward off all of the evil influences that are pointed in your direction that surround you daily when you're on the job or in your classroom or or, or just dealing with, with this corrupt system. I pray that God will just help you to keep your mind and heart fixed upon Him and that you'll look above the corruption of this world and that you'll be strengthened as we look to Him, our only hope, but who is our strength and our defense.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
1: Have you ever had a friend who's not a believer, and they ask you a question about the Bible, and you're thrilled? Finally, they want to know about God, but then you go blank because you can't remember the scripture that would answer their very question. You're not alone. It happens to me all the time, and I think if only I had a quick scripture reference that would help me right then and there, that would be perfect. Well, guess what I found? Pastor Chuck's Old and New Testament study guides are available to download as ebooks instantly to your phone or mobile device. Now, whenever you need to find the meaning to a scripture reference quickly, you can. Pastor Chuck has written great little Bible commentaries to help anyone come to a better understanding of God's Word. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit the and click on the link to download the Old and New Testament study guides by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order these books in print, call the Word for Today at 800 277 to 9673.